It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? Now there's a new team, and everybody's pretty much new, and I got their back. I want this thing to work. Everybody's got to get on the same page. JT the Brick. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be last-second losses. There's going to be a draft pick that doesn't make the team. Whatever it is, it's Raider Nation. JT, thanks for having me on. Always great to catch up with you, and keep it going, okay? I'll talk to you soon, man. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you on a big day today. Man, we got a lot to talk about on Monday with the Patriots. Either in town or coming to town with back-to-back practices on Tuesday, Wednesday. Raider Nation Radio brought to you by Golden Entertainment. They own the Stratosphere, Arizona Charlie's, Laughlin Entertainment Center, and 64-plus taverns here. PT's fuels the monologue. Best happy hour in town from 5 to 7 and from midnight to 2 a.m. I was at PT's. During the Raider game, got out of the building for a little bit as the game was on, hooked up with a bunch of Raider friends, and we watched the game out in Henderson at a PT's for the first half. Had a great time with PT staff and friends. Love going there. Head on out there to watch Raider games, Golden Knight games, and do your fantasy league out there. They have it all set up with fantasy kits. They'll have you ready with food and drink specials so you can get that rolling there. So Sunday's a busy day for me. Raiders pre- and post-game show, and then my night show on Sirius XM. So I already did the show right now that I did last night. I did the show on Brady and Dana White. Did it. Phones were packed. So I already have that under my belt. No one else does because I did it already. I had a dress rehearsal last night for Raider Nation Radio on a topic that I think is a really unique topic in sports talk radio. A couple of reasons why. It involves Dana White, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, UFC, Derek Carr, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I'll get to the Miami Dolphins. So with all that combined, that is a really juicy, gossipy, good topic for sports talk radio. I tend to leave the gossip off of Raider Nation Radio because I work for the team. I'm on their flagship. There are lanes and boundaries that I stay in. I don't do idiot radio on Raider Nation Radio where anybody can come in and rip the quarterback, rip the owner, mock this and that. We don't do that here. We try to get you ready for the game. That's all. And in the offseason, I'm on to other things from LeBron James, this and that. But in Raider season, Raider content, we try to give you the advantage we have in this time slot from being around the team and put on the insiders who know as much, if not more than me, about what's happening with the team. But this is a topic that's really close to me because I was in Allegiant Stadium when you weren't, when no fans were allowed in, and there was basically no one in there. And Tom Brady came to Allegiant Stadium for the one time, I think it's going to be the only time ever, and absolutely mauled the Raiders, took them apart, and combined for five touchdowns in this game. In that game, five touchdowns, four in the air, one on the ground with a quarterback sneak. And Tom Brady said on the shop on HBO before that, we kind of know why he put that together and wanted to beat the Raiders. He thought he was going to be a Raider. And I want to start with this. This is a very important topic. Dana White, I know Dana White. My kids and his kids know each other. Dana's been great to me over the years. I'm not a UFC guy. I'm a boxing guy. But I've interviewed Dana over 10 times. I see him in public. Uh, great guy. I think the world of Dana White for what he's done to this town when it comes to money and the economy and what he's done as a commissioner. He's arguably the greatest commissioner in all sports, uh, better than all the other major commissioners in other sports at times that don't seem to know what they're doing. Dana White took this sport, kept the fatitas in the deal 
when it was losing a ton of money, held on to the deal, and then they sold the deal for over $4 billion with a B. $4 billion UFC sold for, and Dana White's still in the deal. He got the best of both worlds. Part of the sale, he stays in the deal. And Dana White went from being a guy growing up on the streets and being a tough guy and being a sharp guy and being a guy hustling his whole life. Now Dana White's going to be a billionaire, a billionaire because of his investments and what he's done. So I got a lot of respect for Dana. And if Dana says it was close to a done deal, well, that was his opinion on this. I wasn't in the room with Coach Gruden. Uh, Mark Davis commented on this and what he recalled back there in the day and basically said, you know, if Dana thinks this, that, I'll, I'll read you the quote in a little bit. But Tom Brady has added fuel to the speculation about this. And Gronkowski, at the end of the soundbite, pretty much said that everything is completely true. So Brady's admitting it's true. On the shop a year ago, or that was a year and a half ago, Dana White's never lied to anyone I know of. He doesn't need to lie to anybody. And Gronkowski said that this was really close, that Brady and Gronk were going to come to the Raiders. So this was from UFC, their unbelievable card. What a finish to that fight. And Gronk cast, kind of like everybody's copying this Eli and Peyton cast. Michael Kay's doing it with A-Rod. Gronk got involved during the UFC card, and this is what happened. I, I, I worked to put that deal together for Brady and Gronk to come to the Raiders. And it was almost a done deal. And at the last minute, Gruden blew the deal up and said that he didn't want him. And Whoa. all Whoa. hell broke loose, man. It was crazy. And, and, and Brady was already looking at houses, and it wasn't being said yet that Gronk was coming. So Las Vegas would have had Brady and Gronk the year that the Bucks won the Super Bowl, except Gruden blew the deal up. And there's so much story that goes along with this behind the scenes. Yeah, so that's what he said, and Gronk said it was exactly true. So that's all you need to know. But there's a lot of words like almost. Well, what does almost mean? Like you almost got the deal done. What does that mean? Were contracts being signed? How, how close was almost? Brady was looking at houses out here. I heard that rumor. I heard that rumor. We talked about it back in the day. Brady's got more money than God. His wife makes more money than him. Mark Wahlberg just got a house out here. He's over at Bishop Gorman Games. Everybody. You know, Oprah, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan. His real estate deal's going down every day. And then he said that Gruden blew up the deal at the last second. What does that mean? I don't know what last second means. Is it the day that they had the deal done? Did they agree to terms? Remember, Mark Davis brought John Gruden in for the right reasons. To control football operations. He had all the power. Uh, Mark was trying to get John for years, rightfully so, to go get him. I supported that deal. It didn't end right, but the point was John was going to have power over Mayock and personnel to go do deals. And John was loyal to Derek. He decided to keep Derek. There is nothing wrong with this story. a matter of fact, I think it makes the Raiders look very interesting because if they were close to signing Tom Brady, that's a good thing. That means that they, like Mayock told me on the radio multiple times, we are evaluating every position all the time. Gruden says that, and I'm sure Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels agree with the same thing. They are evaluating every position every day. That's their job. Who wouldn't evaluate and look at Tom Brady? And if Tom Brady was interested in coming to the Raiders, now the topic gets unique, and I want to hear from the Raider Nation on this. This is where we need you to kind of clear this up at 702-365-9200. I do not believe that the Raiders would have won the Super Bowl if Tom Brady came here in year one. They just wouldn't have. They were an eight-win team. 
They weren't very good up front on the offensive line. We'll get to this offensive line in a bit. They didn't have a great defense. And I don't think they would have went pretty far. But it's Tom Brady. And as someone reminded me yesterday on my show, that Tom Brady comes, anything's possible. So there is a possibility that Raider Nation has to deal with that Brady was close to coming, obviously with Gronk. If you add the players that they had in 2020, you could look around and say, yeah, they were a pretty good team. They were a 500 team. They were an eight-win team. Maybe the Raiders could have won 10 games, got into it, because they wouldn't have won the division with Mahomes, even with Brady, my opinion. But they get into the wild card, and then anything could happen. Uh, Tom ended up going to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay had a better team than the Raiders. They had a flawless defense. You see that defense they had? Much better than the Raiders, and they had a much better offensive line. So why would Tom Brady, why would he consider the Raiders at that point and do that deal? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with Dana White. Dana White sounds like he rolled up his sleeves to try to get that deal done, and he thought it would be good. Someone else told me, hey, man, if the Raiders did the deal with Brady and Gronk, they could have sold more jerseys. They could have bought the Bellagio. Exaggeration. But they would have brought in a lot of revenue on those splits with Brady, but there were no fans there. We had no fans at Allegiant Stadium, so you would have missed all of it. But then the big question comes, and this is the one I've been waiting to give you. If Brady came to the Raiders in 2020, would he have stayed in 2021? Would he be here in 2022 going into a 2023 year with an opportunity to win the Super Bowl? I mean, Brady just returned to practice today in Tampa because he's been gone for 10 days. Some people think the mass singer, which is ridiculous. His mom's been ill for a long time. He, had a, he took a leave of absence. But we know that Brady was interested at this time when he was talking about the Raiders. We all know that he was interested in Miami. Because before Brady became a free agent, Stephen Ross of Miami was tampering, breaking the rules, and going after Tom Brady. And he did that after Tom Brady won a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. Stephen Ross was tampering to get him to come to Miami. So the big picture for me is, what's going on with Brady? Did Brady really want to be a Raider? Was he that close? Or was he really interested in listening, which we could all assume yes. Remember, he spoke to Mark Davis outside the octagon. It was a photo op during a UFC event. Everybody went crazy. Look at Brady and Mark Davis. Mark Davis talks to everybody. Mark's one of the most genuine people I've ever met in my life. He talks to everybody who comes up to him and wants to say hello or talk or whatever he does. So Mark talked to Brady. I remember that night. I remember that photo op and what it meant. But Brady is really the unique part of this deal because Brady threw Derek Carr under the bus when he was on the shop on HBO sitting in the barbershop. He basically said, how the bleep, and he's using profanity, do you want that guy instead of me? You are now safe to assume that that was Derek Carr. I'm safe to assume that Derek doesn't care about any of this. That was a couple of years ago. Derek is not Tom Brady. He will never be Tom Brady and have seven Super Bowls. We're trying to get Derek a playoff win, which we all believe he's going to get. Most do. So Brady kind of trashed Derek Carr. That happens in sports all the time. But it doesn't really happen with Brady much. So did Brady do that on the shop on HBO to kind of play into the show? Probably. Uh, Gronk. Gronk would have went anywhere Brady went. So Gronk's just a happy guy who makes money. So Brady said, hey, we're going to Tampa Bay. We're going to Miami. We're going to Vegas. Gronk just would have went because Brady would have asked him. And Gronk had a little bit left in the tank there, too. 
So it, I think the bigger topic here, everybody, is it proves that Tom Brady is different in real life, in real life in negotiations and who he portrays with the brand of TB12. Tom Brady was involved in Deflategate, will be the only gold jacket Hall of Famer quarterback suspended for four games during his career for something he was guilty of. I repeat, he was guilty in federal court. He was not guilty in the court of public opinion. He was bleeping guilty in federal court and suspended for games. Fact, not fiction. Tom Brady was aware that Miami and Stephen Ross and one of his lieutenants were tampering where Tom Brady could have raised his hands and said, no, 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 you're not allowed to tamper with me. I'm property of New England and Tampa Bay. You're overstepping your grounds. Never. Tom Brady was aware of all of that. Tom Brady, we can, it's fair to say Tom Brady was very interested in coming to the Raiders because everybody's saying that. Brady admitted that he was close. Dana White said it was, quote, a done deal. And Gronkowski said, yeah, everything Dana just said is absolutely true. It's a pretty big story. But does it do anything for the Raiders right now at the Patriots in town? No. Is it background noise? Yes. But it's a pretty interesting story because the last hook – the last hook to the monologue is simply this. I don't think Brady would have won a Super Bowl with the Raiders. Raiders, I really don't. But we know for a fact if he came to the Raiders, Tampa Bay wouldn't have won. And that, to me, is the biggest part of this story. The biggest part of this story, in my opinion, is if Tom Brady came to the Raiders with Gronk, didn't make the playoffs, made the playoffs, won a playoff game, whatever it was, Tampa Bay would have that disappear. Remember the movie Back to the Future with Michael J. Fox? He goes back to the future, goes into the past, and all of a sudden things start disappearing. If his mom didn't hook up with his dad and all this stuff, remember that? Same thing here. If this happened, we can go back in the hot tub time machine, and there wouldn't be a second banner at Raymond James Stadium that says Tampa Bay Bucks two-time Super Bowl champion. That's the hook to the story, is that for whatever happened, Gruden blowing up the deal, Gruden at the last second being loyal to Carr. Gruden not wanting to do that deal because he felt comfortable with Derek, didn't want to give Tom the playbook. Whatever it was, John Gruden will tell us at some point. John's got a lot going on. He's got a lot going on. He's suing the NFL. He'll come out and say this somewhere down the road. But Tampa wouldn't have won that second championship. So that's where we're at, Raider fans. I'd be an idiot if I didn't open up the show with this. It was a massive topic. It still is today. Stephen A's doing it. You know, Skip is doing it. Collins doing it. Everybody's doing it. But everybody seems to come to the same conclusion. It didn't happen. And as my wife told me last night, I got my best friend in town, best man at my wedding. She looked at me. My wife is my voice of reason. She's the one who calms me down. She's the one who knows me on and off the radio and the insanity And she said there were a lot of deals in 2020 during COVID that didn't happen. Thousands of deals around the country, from PPE deals to the economy to politics or this or that. This is a deal that didn't happen. Now, it got really close to the finish line. Did Dana exaggerate about it? I don't think so. I think Dana thought he had a deal with Brady and wanted to be. Could you imagine if Dana White got that deal done and took credit for it? I mean, ultimately, it'd be Mark Davis who would have to sign off on it, but John Gruden was in charge of the roster and all that. Can you imagine if Dana White was walking around this town, Vegas, telling everybody two years later, yeah, I'm the guy who did the Brady deal. Yeah, I'm the guy who did it. I want to get credit for it. Dana would do that in a good way. Dana is a showman. Dana is a great promoter. 
He is unbelievable for all of his brands. And he's a huge Patriot fan. So he had the connection, had the connection to at least get the conversation going. So I'd love to know what you think on this topic because it's the important topic I wanted to lead the show off with. 702-365-9200. We seem to wait every day, 30 minutes, for people to line up to get into this show. I don't know what you're listening. I don't know what you do on other platforms. We get to work. We start the show right at the top of the hour. We got to get people ready to go before I get out of here. Second topic is the Raiders win in Miami and the failure of Alex Leatherwood to be the starting right tackle. I like Alex Leatherwood. I really do. And I believe that being picked that high in the first round was a reach. There was no doubt that was a reach. That was a bad pick by Mike Mayock and John Gruden because Leatherwood would have been available in the 50s. He would have been. So it doesn't matter where you get a player if you like the player. But in hindsight, Leatherwood was a reach. He's not one of Ziegler and Josh McDaniel's picks, and he's trying to fight to prove that he can play right tackle in this league. What we saw in Miami in this preseason game is that Alex Leatherwood is not equipped to be a starting right tackle in this league yet. He's a very young player. Now, as we talked about with Thayer Mumford from Ohio State, in theory, he shouldn't be ready either because he's a seventh-round pick. If Mumford was a second-round pick or a third-round pick like Dylan Parham, You can say, all right, he's never played an NFL game. Let's put him at right tackle. But he's a seventh-round pick. He played at Ohio State. Leatherwood played at Alabama. That's pretty cool. These guys played against a lot of the guys that you're seeing now in the NFL. They played against them for three or four years. Alex Leatherwood, on top of all this, won the Outland Trophy and two national championships. We're not talking about a bum. I repeat. Let me be the voice of reason on this channel. We are not talking about a bum in Alex Leatherwood. Alex Leatherwood, the rest of his life, will walk the campus at Alabama with two national championships and an Outland Trophy in the trophy room. He's not a bum. It's just taking time here. He's not as strong as we thought he was. And technically, he's not the player that we thought he was in Alabama. So you want to do? You want to throw him away? You want to bench him? You want to trade him? you got a lot of options here with him. But I, I think with Derek's ability to be great and to be elite, you can't have Leatherwood at right tackle. So another voice of reason moment. Another voice of reason moment. Just move him inside to guard. He can play guard. He's a monster. He's a huge house. Move him inside to guard. Right guard, left guard, figure it out, and let him play guard. And I don't think he's going to be a massive liability. He might not be a pro bowler, but he can play guard. So that's an okay problem to have. And as I've told you for months here, I think Dave Ziegler is going to get a right tackle in the next couple of days on cut downs. His rosters go down to 53. He's going to be able to find a player that got cut or waived by another team because they're not playing. They're a backup, and they're better than Leatherwood. They're a backup, and they're better than Mumford. And they're ready to play, and they got like five or six years experience on their NFL resume, and they'll be fine. You put them out there because there's six years of film of them playing right tackle. So I'm not panicking at this point in time, but I'm very disappointed that Alex Leatherwood wasn't ready to go. If he was ready to go, it would have been great to just see him have this great offseason, unbelievable offseason. He takes over right tackle. And we got Colt Miller at left tackle. Andre James is getting better. You look at Simpson, you look at the interior of that line, you figure it out. Why do you think Josh McDaniels is switching up on every series a new offensive line? 
because they don't have the starting offensive line yet. And they need to have that offensive line done probably after the Patriots leave, after practice. Not the game, because I don't care who they play, but after the first, the next two practices with the Patriots, I think that they should have a pretty good idea of what the offensive line is going to look like and be very confident that they have to get one more player, which I believe they will. 702-365-9200. I think I ripped the roof off of that one. What do you got to say about it today, Raider Nation? You're all over. You're global. You're in the news. You're in the news pretty big today, and you got the Patriots in town. This is a hell of a week to be on the radio. Raider Fish in Berkeley, Northern California. Start us off, Fish. What do you got? I always appreciate you. Thank you for having me on, sir. Yep. Uh, you know, respectfully, I don't give a care. I don't give a care if Tom Brady grunts out. Who cares? What I do care about for the safety of our organization is when we mention John Gruden, I still want to know who pulled off that surgical hit. You mean out of all those emails, out of all that turmoil, one Exactly one individual gets named and gets hurt by all of this. I care about an organization. So if it was against Gruden or if it was against the Raiders, whoever pulled that off, it was personal. I would like to know that. And I also want to make sure that last season goes down in the annals of NFL history as one of the greater seasons because of what we pulled off. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to talk about when Gruden is mentioned from here on out. And I'm out for right now. I love you, Brent. See you when I'm looking at you. Let's go Raiders. Yeah, when it comes to Gruden, Gruden, I believe, will clear his name. I believe Gruden will be redeemed. What he said, I don't support. And he said that in private emails to Bruce Allen, who's one of his best friends. And those emails were taken. They were taken illegally. Someone leaked those emails to the NFL. Could have been the owner, Daniel Snyder. It could have been someone else in that business. It could have been someone at the league, whatever it was. And they took out Gruden. And fortunately, the team was good that Gruden built. It was decent, good. And then Rich Passaccia took over and the Raiders went to the playoffs. So a lot of good happened last year under a lot of chaos, including Henry Ruggs. The stuff about Dana White isn't chaos. It's just a big story. It's a big story today that will probably stick around for a day or two because it might get Tom Brady to have to talk about this on the record. I would love to see Tom Brady act like serious Tom Brady and say exactly how close he got to becoming a Raider and why, why that deal didn't happen because it seems like Brady was pissed off. It really seems like from Gronk, Dana White, and what Brady said on the shop, they were ready to go. They were coming. And the deal got shut down by Gruden. And you can, you can break down that topic, but why did Brady agree, if he did, to come to the Raiders? Big tax purposes, real estate, being closer out west to his parents who were in the Bay Area. All of that stuff could have had something to do with it. But the Raiders were a very competitive team at that time, but I don't think as good of a roster as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Monologue brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence, the 1738, the Tercet. The Cognacs, the Quantro, everything they do, they get us going here. They're a fantastic brand to be associated with. And they have the new Botanist Gin, which we've been telling you about all summer. So if you're a gin drinker, mix it in with a gin and tonic, a gin and grapefruit, whatever you're having, a gin and soda, and hear it pop, feel it pop. It's that good. The Botanist Gin brought to you by Remy Martin. Miles Simmons is going to join us from Pro Football Talk coming up a little bit. He always has a lot of cool things to say. 
We'll stay more on this Gronk thing if you want. And we'll hear what Dana White and what he said and what he portrayed on Saturday. And it was, was it a coincidence that this came out on the debut of the Gronkcast show? Was it a publicity stunt? Was it exaggerated? Or is there some truth to it or a little of everything? JT, what a busy week we have. Alumni weekend, the Patriots in town. What a great time to be in the Raider Nation. You know, we had a couple things that obviously we we felt like we, we could do better. Um, you know, some of that was coordinating with the tight end and the tackles. We got beat inside a little bit. Um, you know, there was a few things we didn't do necessarily right uh, with the routes or the reads at the quarterback. You know what I mean? So I've said it before. Um, you know, pass protection is in many ways a result of everybody doing their job the right way. Uh, I know a lot of times one person gets singled out here or there, and we say, well, this guy did this, this guy did that. There's a lot of guys that are supposed to do a lot of things the right way, you know, and so um, when we do it right, we usually, um, you know, we, we do it well. And uh, when we don't, you know, there's a chance for some, some plays that happen tonight. So we, we're going to work hard at trying to shore that up. That's all we can do. And, um, you know, these guys are really coachable and they'll work hard at it. It's Joshua McDaniels on the Raiders offensive line. He's not going to single anyone out like Leatherwood if they ask about it. They're going to look at the tape. They're going to look at the group as a unit, and they're going to try to get better. JT, back with you. A lot happening as the Patriots are in town. I always look forward to talking to Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk, kind enough to join us. And, Miles, first I wanted to hear what you and all the guys and gals at Pro Football Talk were chopping it up about with this Dana White story on how close Gronk and Brady were to coming to Vegas. You were covering the Raiders. You're familiar with everybody in this backstory. What are you hearing? And do you believe what Dana White had to say? Well, yeah, I, I do. Mainly because Gronkowski was there and he confirmed it, you know, when he was talking about it. And it sort of tracks with what I remember about that time and covering the Raiders at that time and being in Las Vegas. And it, there was sort of that buzz that, you know, maybe Brady could be there. And I think that he had gone to some sort of sporting event with Dana White. Mm-hmm. And, uh, right, you know, because, like, it, 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 just, it tracks with everything that we know. However, I think what also kind of tracks is that the last time we'd seen Tom Brady, he was playing for the Patriots, and he didn't look good, right? He had just really kind of started to look his age a little bit, right? That last week of the regular season where they were playing the Dolphins, he didn't look good. They go to the playoffs. They play the Titans. He didn't look good there either. And it's like, man, well, I guess, you know, Brady's not going to be what we think. And then he goes to Tampa Bay and he wins the Super Bowl. So, you know, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty. But if you are – if you want to think, like, man, well, why didn't the Raiders do this? It's like, well, because Brady didn't really look all that great the last time we saw him. So, frankly, I can kind of understand it. Yeah, and the other big thing on this issue becomes, don't we know on the timeline that Brady was listening also to Miami or Miami was reportedly tampering in New England and in Tampa Bay? So if Brady really wanted to go to Tampa Bay and really wanted to go to Miami, why was he listening to Las Vegas to begin with? And Dana White said they were pretty much, it was pretty much a done deal until, quote, Gruden blew it up at the last second. So are you sensing that at some point Brady came to the realization that 
I'm going to be a Raider. It seems like it's real close, and I'm good with that if it happens. Well, you know, I think that Tom Brady might have given off that impression that it was Mm. almost a done deal because he probably was giving off similar signals to the Miami Dolphins, which is why they kept tampering with him, right? I I think that for Brady, it was probably really nice to be wanted, really nice to be recruited. He'd never gone through anything like that, you know? He'd been with the Patriots since 2000. So we're talking about a span 20 years where you know where you're going to play, you know, you know that you are probably underpaid compared to other people at that position, right? And that's just the way that they were doing it with New England so that they could continue to have really good teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the way things kind of ended there with him in New England, like they in some ways pushed him out the door because they didn't give him the contract that he wanted. Yeah, I mean, I can understand why Brady would kind of like be trying to be a puppet master, you know, like, hey, Everybody will dance for me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let's see how we can we can do this and make it play in my favor as much as possible. So I I don't know if it was really as close to a done deal as maybe Dana White is making it seem. I'll only put it that way. But I think that the Raiders probably have reason to believe, and Dana White probably had good reason to believe, that Brady and Gronk could have ended up in Las Vegas. Miles Simmons is our guest. So it was pretty easy for me that Baker was going to start for the Panthers, oh, yeah. they brought him in for that reason. Sam Darnold is probably easily now, not even debatable, the best backup quarterback in all of football. He's a starter. You know, Sam went to the Jets, which was a mistake. They were a terribly run franchise. It's another example. If you get drafted by a bad team, it could kill your career, and it could move you from being a potential starter to a backup very quickly here. So with Baker, they play the Browns to open up the season. That's what That might be the best storyline other than Russell Wilson in Denver returning to Seattle. What does this do for Carolina now? You know the roster. You know the schedule. Do you give Carolina a shot with Baker to compete for a wild card? Uh, a shot, yes. Do I think it's really realistic? No. Um, I mean, and part of it is just because of the way that Carolina's been over the last few years. Look, I, I mean, They've got some talent there. Um, there are some guys in the defensive end that I really like. I mean, I really like Brian Burns. Really like Jeremy Chin as a safety and the way they can kind of move him around. But you don't know if Christian McCaffrey's going to stay healthy. He hasn't been able to since he signed the big contract a couple years ago. And Baker Mayfield can be very, very inconsistent. Now, I think he's going to be really fired up, obviously, to play the Browns. And I think one of the great things about this for him is that he now has a couple of weeks to get over what the emotional aspects of this thing might look like, right? We all know that Baker Mayfield plays with a lot of emotion. He's an emotional guy. I think knowing that he's going to be the starter now allows him to kind of make that mental shift of, okay, I know I'm going to go out there, and I know I'm going to want to kick their butts, but I have to be able to kind of rein some of that in. You know, let's say they were playing the Browns week two and you spend a few weeks um, trying to go through the process of trying to beat somebody else, right? And mm-hmm. then uh, all of a sudden you've only got four or five days to shift your mindset and say, okay, now now we got to beat the Browns. Oh, man, I can't stand that team. I can't stand that organization. And I'm going to say all the right things, but it's going to be this and it's going to be that. I think having these couple weeks is going to benefit him and it's going to benefit the Panthers as a whole so that they can go into this season opener with the right frame of mind. Miles Simmons, as we wrap it up from Pro Football Talk, 
So Kayvon Thibodeau on that cut block really looked like his knee was in trouble. He went into the blue tent. He came out walking. He didn't want to take the card and get carted off the field. He really was walking around after the game like he was in good shape. And it looks like it's going to be a three-week injury with games starting on September 11th. So I look at the calendar here, and he should be about ready to go or maybe hold them back a game on a very active player that the Giants can't afford to lose if they're going to be competitive in the NFC East. Yeah, it's true, and it's an unfortunate injury. Um, but it's, it's one of those things that where you've got to take that risk if you really want to play guys in uh, the preseason. So I, I think, look, everybody's fortunate that it wasn't any worse than it turned out to be. I mean, because you look at that play, you look at the replay, it obviously looks really bad. And I know that everybody on Twitter today is like, oh my gosh, is it dirty? Is it this? Is it that? Like, if it's something that the player is getting coached to do with cut blocking, it, it, it can't really be dirty. And I think that that's one thing. It's a football play, right? It's not like he's going out of his way in Moss to you know go out there and really egregiously target somebody like Thibodeau. So that's one thing. But you also have to kind of – I don't want to, like, put the blame on a player for getting hurt. Right? But like, in some ways, you have to be able to better take on that block and not necessarily get yourself in that position. And that's something that young players have to learn when they get to the league because there are different blocking styles. There are different, you know, plays and different things that happen where you might get yourself into an injury risk. So, yeah, it, look – I don't know how much the Giants are going to be able to compete in the NFC East anyway. I mean, I, I expect Philadelphia to win that division. The Cowboys also should be pretty good. But if they are going to do anything, then you're right. They're going to need guys like Thibodeau in order to be available. Um, so we'll see if he ends up making it back for week one. But he's a young player, and hopefully he can recover well and have a good rookie year. Uh, last one, Miles. What was Mahomes doing in the game that long? 12 of 19, 162, two touchdowns, a 125.3 quarterback rating. What was behind that with Andy Reid? Because we know what's happening with other quarterbacks around the league not playing at all. I was just surprised that Mahomes played that much in a game like that after having an MVP, winning a Super Bowl. What are you hearing out of Kansas City and what Andy Reid's trying to accomplish? It's just the way Andy Reid does things. And you know what's so funny about Reid is, you know, he's not thought of necessarily as an old-school coach, but he's been a head coach in this league since 1999. Right? So it's not like you got, you know, guys who are of the new school thought, right? The Sean Bays of the world, the Matt LaFleurs, you know, where it's like, yeah, we're not doing that. We're not playing anybody of consequence in the preseason. And I think it's one of these things that makes the NFL so great is that you can have different approaches and different ways will end up winning. Um, so like I said, I mean, last year, the Rams don't play anybody of consequence in the preseason ever. They win the Super Bowl. But a couple of years ago, it's the same sort of approach from Andy Reid. He plays his guys in the preseason. They win the Super Bowl. So it's just what he does. And frankly, I don't agree with it because I think if you've got one of the best quarterbacks in the league, you don't play that guy in the preseason and put him at any risk whatsoever of any kind of season-ending injury. But far be it for me to really question Andy Reid when he has forgotten more about more football than I'm sure I will ever know. So yeah, and it, it's doing, the way they do it. Yeah, that's the way he's doing it, and no one can argue that. Miles, always good to talk to you, man. Have a great rest of the week. We'll talk to you again. Thank you. Same to you, JT.
All right, Miles Simmons joining us from Pro Football Talk there. So a lot of Raider news today. The Raiders traded Nick Mullins to the Vikings for a conditional seventh-round pick. I like Nick a lot. I think he's a good quarterback. He's a very good backup quarterback that can win you games. Even when you're trailing, he can come back and do that. Uh, Jared Stidham, like we said, would get the number two position because how familiar he is with this playbook and helping Derek Carr get up to speed with it. So we know what Mullins can do. We wish him well. And Stidham will be the backup quarterback. He's ran well. A couple other Raider topics that I want to hear from you on today is what you saw in the Miami game that you liked. They play hard. They don't have a lot of penalties. They're much more disciplined in the preseason. These are preseason games, and I love the effort from the Raiders. I really focused on watching that game with Eric Allen. I was watching a little with Eddie Pascal. We're watching the game, and all we're talking about are these rotations on the offensive line. Who's playing? The Raiders continue to give up sacks in the preseason. Well, they have a built-in excuse to play in a whole bunch of mixing and matching pieces on the offensive line. When will that be cleaned up so we can evaluate their starting offensive line, probably in practice, and say, no, they're playing pretty good. You know, they look pretty good. The ones look pretty good against the Patriots because we're not going to see that coming up on Friday night's game. So we're not going to see that. So as you watch the game in Miami, the Raiders go to 3-0 and on the preseason. They left some players back home. Fine with that. But Raider fans, it seems like you're bugged out with the offensive line. You're having a problem with this. What would you like to do here by the end of the week? These are Raider fans. This is a caller-driven show. If you got an opinion on this, and I think some people, not many, but some are going to say, hey, let's just keep it what it is. If we don't get another offensive lineman, we'll go with what we got, and we're going to bring in max protection. So they're going to leave in a tight end, or they're going to leave in a blocking back. And a a back's going to stay in and chip. But if you do that, you take one of the weapons off the field that you could have out there, another wide receiver. But with Waller and Renfro and Devontae Adams and Mac Hollins, how, how tough is that going to be? There should still be an opportunity to make plays if you have to leave in some protection help. I know that Josh McDaniels really cares about the protection. The screen game is going to be very important. We might see a lot of screens early in the season. And the Raiders might get a little bit conservative and running the ball until this offensive line gets up to speed. But I wanted to make sure we, we, we figured out one thing today. I think that everybody should really show some respect to Alex Leatherwood. He's trying hard. He's a gamer. He's always available. He played in a lot of games. He played in a ton of games in college. And it's just not clicking yet. So I think Raider fans, you're the fans that should encourage the guy. If you want the guy out and he's not going to play, you're welcome to call in. But I don't think we throw the talent on Leatherwood. I think he moves inside and he becomes a real decent guard because it's, it should be really tough to get around Alex Leatherwood as a guard. Not a lot of room there to do that unless you're Aaron Donald. And imagine Aaron Donald lining up against Alex Leatherwood right now. Imagine if there was a scenario, because we're playing the Rams this year, if Alex Leatherwood and Andre James are lining up in front of and in the gap is Aaron Donald. Good luck with that. But the Raiders aren't done yet. Dave Ziegler's got some money to go shopping. Will he go shopping and make a deal that will make you happy? 702-365-9200. This Friday, I did my podcast over at Virgin Hotels here in Vegas. And I really want to thank the head coach of UNLV, Marcus Arroyo, who's preparing for a game this Saturday. And he came over to sit down with me. I'm going to play that interview next hour. Wanted to make sure we got it in and got behind UNLV football. Marcus Arroyo 
was really cool to do that. He didn't have to do that. He texted me and said, hey, I'm on my way over. Can you fit me in? We're like, absolutely. The head coach of a D1 team, right as he gets out of practice across the street, meant a lot. I want you to hear that conversation. Coming up a little bit later on in the show, I'll be at Raiders practice Tuesday and Wednesday for the Patriots. And then we got a big weekend. The alumni are coming into town, a massive turnout, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The game will be Friday. There'll be a big turnout on the field, a lot going on there. And then Saturday, you just know that the Raiders and the alumni will be celebrating alumni weekend before they play the Chargers on September 11th. Got to get through the last preseason game and these two practices and hope, hopefully keep everybody healthy, right? Keep everybody healthy as we get this thing rolling. 702-365-9200. Raider fans, you got any comment on Dana White and what he said or it means nothing to you? And what do you want to do with Leatherwood? Give him another game at right tackle? Or just bite the bullet and move him at guard? And develop him into being a real damn good guard in this league before the Raiders can get better players over the years on the offensive line? JT, as we're ready to roll, big week. Thanks for listening to the flagship. Brought to you by Grimaldi's, the best pizza I've ever had. I have no clue about the Tampa, the Tampa Bay, Miami Dolphin, Tom Brady rumor. My understanding is that there was a request put in or the intermediaries talked. I'm like the rest of you. I heard that story. If I had been ready to coach like this year, I would have stayed in New Orleans. And so it's nice to have someone interested. And uh, yeah, that's about it. I mean, look, our, our, our focus on Tom Brady has been like beating him, not uh, joining him. That's Sean Payton. That is a bunch of garbage. Absolute garbage. He knows exactly. He's on Fox now. This is the problem. If you're going to take a deal, and I like Sean Payton. Sean Payton's worked with a lot of coaches that I know, and he's a phenomenal head coach. But if you're going to take a job on Fox, and you're going to sit next to Jay Glazer, and you're going to be on the broadcast, you just can't say I don't know nothing. Okay, look, we all know that they were tampering with Tom Brady to come to Miami and Sean Payton to come to Miami. To act like he knows nothing about that is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But what else is he going to say? You're in a tough situation. A lot of times people don't talk when they're on the record with that big of an audience there. So that was was interesting with Dana White and Gronk on the Gronkcast. It was very loose. Dana's putting on a UFC card, which the main event was incredible. The knockout. Usman getting knocked out, leaning into a kick that pretty much finished him off in a fight that he had won. And the fact that Gronk got Dana White to talk about the potential Tom Brady-Gronk deal to the Raiders was tremendous television and or streaming. I mean, that's the way you do it. You try to get more people to talk about it. You know how desperate they were initially to get people to comment on Peyton Manning and Eli on the Eli Peyton cast? I loved it. It turned out to be really good television. Then Michael K does it with A-Rod. I don't think it's very good. I like Michael K, but I don't think A-Rod adds a lot. But A-Rod said something really interesting last week on that broadcast to Derek Jeter. He was talking about the people that have cheated and the steroids, and he was talking about what was happening with Fernando Tatis in San Diego, and he said, I wish these young guys learned from me and the mistakes that I made. That was brilliant, unbelievable comments from A-Rod. And Sean Payton was on the Fox broadcast, and he didn't have much to say. Dana White, I've never known him. I don't, I don't know him good enough to say if he exaggerates. 
but I've never known him to say a lie. I've interviewed him a bunch of times. He's always a great interview. And he said he was close to getting the Brady deal done in Vegas. What does done mean? How close? Signing contracts, sending private jets? We don't know until they elaborate on this more. So a lot of news coming off the Raider game. Uh, Trading Nick Mullins was smart. You know, Dave Ziegler's just picking up seventh-round picks. You get a couple of those, and you can trade up to the sixth round or get a better player in the fourth round. We'll see what happens here. But, you know, in Alex Leatherwood, I'd like to see him get more run at right guard. You know, because I'm not done with him either way. He's got unbelievable brute raw talent. Maybe right guard is the best place. Just surprised that they haven't taken this right tackle or nothing approach so far. I would not be surprised if the Raiders open up practice tomorrow with him at right guard, a Luminor at right tackle, whatever they're going to do. But I think for Dave Ziegler, he is scouring the waiver wire. He will be. And he's looking around. Maybe he's getting, he's accumulating some of these picks that he's got the last couple of days to make a move and get another offensive lineman. Getting another offensive lineman, I think, is important to the Raiders. Because if the starters aren't elite, that means the backups aren't elite. So you got to find another player that is in between good and average, right? You get an average guy that can play in any game, that's, we're fine with that. Now get a guy who's above average and have him on the depth chart. Just add him along into the depth chart, and we'll see what plays out. But we, it should have been clear to everyone when, the, when Dave Ziegler got, with his first pick ever in Las Vegas Raider history, Dylan Parnum, who's an offensive lineman that could play three different positions, Thayer Mumford in the seventh round, I think the Raiders knew they had a priority there. If the Raiders didn't get Devontae Adams with two first-round picks, I think the first or second-round pick would have been an offensive lineman. Probably would have been, but they, they got Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is one of the best players in the league. So when you're able to pull off a deal like that, you take advantage of it. So the Raiders aren't going to be elite at every position, but they have to make sure they have time between this last Patriots practice, not game, the point I'm trying to make, forget about the game. We're going to be there, have a great time. We're going to have an unbelievable time on Friday night. Forget about the game for a second. Get through the practices Tuesday and Wednesday. Get them done. And then after the practices, then go get an offensive lineman. He doesn't have to play. He doesn't even have to play in the Chargers game on September 11th. If the offensive line depth player comes in and he's ready for Arizona for the home opener, I think we're all good with that. Right? There's no panic here. Dave Ziegler knows what he's doing. We've talked to him a bunch. He knows what he's doing. I'll see him out there tomorrow as I'm broadcasting tomorrow from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center from 12 to 2 coming off practice. 702-365-9200. Hour number two coming up. My conversation with the head coach of UNLV football, Marcus Arroyo, on the flagship of the Raiders.